Welcome to Conservative Patriot Nation, new members and returning members. Today we have a very special guest, Dr. Kevin Connors. Um, I'll tell you real quickly, I deliver to a customer, which I know everything happens in God's timing and everything happens under God. And I was led into a conversation about her daughter that had stage four cancer. It was spread throughout her whole body. Her daughter now is five years cancer free, which shocked me and blew my mind. And her daughter sleeps with a light frequency device, which is killing the cancer cells in her body. And on that device, I was told from her mother that it has COVID-19 on that device. So therefore she didn't have to take ivermectin, hydrochloroquine or anything in her mouth and the machine would have took care of the COVID. And now I would like to present to everyone, Dr. Kevin Connors. Thank you for joining us again, doctor. Oh, I'm very happy to. So do we have an agenda for today? Do we want to talk about Rife? Do we want to talk about anything else? Or do we want to open it up for questions? What's your idea, Mike? Um, If you could, because we have some new members on here. If you can just go over real quickly on the light frequency device, um, some of the things that you offer to those that may not be able to afford the device and how you you give out uh, members on how they can take natural herbs to heal themselves, and then we can go into Q&A. Okay. <clears throat> well, we never dreamed we'd be at a time like this in our history again, but um, here we are. And I think the more that we can know about how to take responsibility for our own health and take care of ourselves, the better we're going to be. So um, learning uh, natural medicine, learning uh, techniques on how to stay out of the hospital and stay out of a doctor's office is imperative right now. We, as you stated, we use Rife technology. So Rife technology basically is, I'll give you a short synopsis of it. So Royal Rife um uh, lived and did his work in the early 1900s. He was a microscope manufacturer by trade. And um, that's a time in history that science was burgeoning with all sorts of new ideas. And uh, the new idea in physics was is called quantum physics. It's very well known today, but that was fairly new back at the turn of the last century. And quantum physics spoke about that the smallest particle that exists is simply energy that's vibrated at a specific frequency. All matter down to its smallest particle is simply energy that vibrates at its own frequency. So in light of that knowledge, uh, Rife, Royal Rife was one of many scientists who were trying to, to harness that Take that information, that data, and how can I incorporate that in some sort of treatment modality so that maybe we could kill um, different microbes that are causing disease? Remember, at that time in history, the number one cause of death was, was disease by microbes, so bacterial infections, viral infections. Uh, they had just come through the whole Spanish flu 
era of the teens where tens of millions of people died. So it wasn't cancer. It wasn't heart disease that was killing people. It was infections. This was before antibiotics uh, were invented. This was before there was really little understanding of what microbes were. This was before uh, doctors washed their hands between patients. So we didn't understand that, uh, you know, the the effects of microscopic uh, bacteria and viruses and things. Uh, you, I often think my kids, when they were little, used to play this um, uh, game on the computer, uh, the Oregon Trail game, and it was so primitive compared to the games that they have today on the computer. And it was always, you started off on this Oregon Trail on the computer, and sure enough, your child died. Oh, your whatever noise it made. Oh, Sally died. And it was like, oh my gosh, of cholera. And it's like, well, that because that's really what happened. If you if you went on a on a wagon train, the chance of you and your two children, you your wife and your two children making it to the destination was pretty slim. Somebody was gonna pass away. And unfortunately, people passed away from things that if they simply just washed their hands, um, they might not have died. Or if they didn't drink from the stream downstream from where they where they defecated, they probably would have died. So it's they just didn't have knowledge of bacterial infections. And really, if you want to get into details about biblical things, God in the Old Testament gave the Israelites that knowledge of ceremonial washings and cleansings and 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 things that because God already knew about microbes and he was basically telling the Israelites to live in a cleaner environment so that they wouldn't just spread disease and just out of their own uncleanliness so but I diverge here. So back to the early 1900s, quantum physics was understanding the frequencies of your of normal cells and your frequencies of of bacteria and, and microbes that were causing ill health and death. And Reif um, started thinking, well, if I could hit that uh, that bacteria with its own frequency, could I cause it to explode and die? So he experimented with electrical frequency, experimented with sound frequency, experimented with light frequency. And he found that if he used light frequency through light waves, that he could have the best effect on human cells and the best effect on bacteria and viruses. So he tuned his instruments to try to tune into the right frequencies for different bacteria to kill that bacteria. He used radio wave technology at the time. And I think your mic might have went out, Doc. Think Dr. Connor's having mic issues. He's leaving. He should be back in. And there he is. All right, Mike, that doc, that should fix your mic. 
Okay. So I don't know where I left off there. But then you can hear me okay? Yep, loud and clear. So Rife started testing different frequencies through sound frequency, through uh, electrical frequency, and what was going to best help destroy microbes. And using his experience with microscope manufacturing, he could see the microbes in a Petri dish and see what frequencies would kill that microbe. So this is how his studies went. Um, and then he, um, you know, he continued this for decades, um, was funded by uh, different people in the field that um, thought that they could make money at this at some point in time. He was supported by uh, doctors in the field uh, that did not have the use of antibiotics uh, and they they had diseases that they couldn't cure. Uh, he uh, did most of his work in Southern California and the University of Southern California School of Medicine at the time actually sent him cancer patients to try to tune into the frequency of cancer and try to kill cancer. He had a lot of success. He won a lot of awards. And as his his um, studies were accumulating and information was accumulating and he was having more success. Now we're into the early, late 40s, early 50s. And what happened historically at that time was the American Medical Association was basically taken over actually in earlier than that in uh, right around 1912 to 1920 by the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds who were funding pharmaceuticals. And this is a conspiracy theory. It's just fact, historical fact that they went around and basically bought up all the medical schools uh, and uh, would, uh, by giving them great grant money, as long as they would stop teaching about uh, nutraceuticals at that time was mainly herbology and start teaching just pharmacology as the drug pharmaceutical industry was starting to burgeon at that time as well. That's when the, that's actually when the osteopathic schools were taken over by the American Medical Association. Osteopathy and chiropractic were very similar, uh, similar train tracks and osteopathy schools basically sold out to the American Medical Association. So today, osteopaths, though they can tend to be more naturally minded, they are uh, osteopathic medical doctors. Chiropractic schools were also um, approached to be taken over by the AMA, and they um, rejected it. So that was why the chiropractic industry was basically at odds with the medical industry for decades and decades. They refused to be bought out by the pharmaceutical industry. So, but in the early 1950s, the pharmaceutical industry became more and more powerful. After World War II, uh, the, the, um, the chemicals that were used in chemical warfare in World War I 
and were also used secretively in chemical warfare in World War II, more specifically by the Nazis, had become now uh, a chemotherapy agent. That was the basis of chemotherapy agent drugs. Uh, And the pharmaceutical industry was getting more and more uh, financially powerful as well. And that is when the uh, AMA basically put out a pursuit against any practicing physicians that were not being licensed medical doctors or clinics that were not practicing um, pharmaceuticals. And in the early 50s, they went after anybody that was treating cancer without pharmaceuticals. So that's why stories of like Dr. Max Gerson, who was a medical doctor from Germany who used natural therapies. Um, uh, He's, if anybody knows who uh, the Gerson clinics are in Mexico now, um, they are very big into juicing, very big into very specific nutrients and coffee enemas, um, hoxie clinics of of, uh, Texas. I think he had like 12 or 13 clinics down there, very successfully treating cancer patients with his Hoxie formula, which was, which is very similar to the Essiac formula of Renee Cassie from California, or excuse me, from uh, Canada, a specific herbal formula. All these clinics within the, within a few years were just literally padlocked doors by the, by the AMA with the, I don't know if they use help, the FBI assisted them or what. But these clinics were literally shut down. Their licenses were taken away. That's how we have the Mexico Cancer Clinics today. These people took their knowledge. Hoxie took his knowledge. Gerson took his knowledge and went to Tijuana. And they opened up the Mexico Cancer Clinics. So that's what the Mexico Cancer Clinics are. They're, they are uh, they were formed because of the persecution that was done to anybody that was practicing non-pharmaceutical uh, medicine in uh, treating cancer patients. Well, Rife was also shut down, but the, the problem that Rife had, he was the closest to Tijuana, ironically, in San Diego, but he, all his equipment was taken. So he didn't have this, like, knowledge of how to take care of the body. He used specific equipment. So he would have to rebuild that all. He was later in his years, he ended up dying uh, an alcoholic uh, seven years after that. Just very, very sad story of uh, his life. All his life work was taken away from him. So his work was lost for a number of years. It actually wasn't lost. It was actually confiscated by the federal government. Understand this was in the middle of the Cold War. So we were fighting this war against Russia, the Soviet Union at the time. And, uh, you know, there was all these fears like, oh, the so this is where the production of anti uh, or microbial uh, uh um, uh, different microbes were created in the laboratory to use against our counterparts. Um, different viruses that are 
cancer-promoting viruses were created in the laboratory against to, to use against the Russians, against the communists. Um, these are not conspiracy theories. These have all been exposed with the Freedom of Information Act to things that were done, the SV40 virus that was created in the laboratory and actually put in the, the polio vaccine. And it was supposed to be sent to Cuba to kill Castro. It ended up becoming part of the American uh, vaccination program and millions of Americans were inoculated with a polio virus vaccine that contained cancer viruses to produce cancer. Now, um, in the Cold War era, uh, the scientists thought, well, if we gave this, this inoculation, this polio inoculation to Cuba, it will kill all the Cubans. They'll all just get cancer right away and they'll die. Well, that's not how that virus works. It can linger in a person's body for decades before that ends up causing cancer in that person. But that's another story. So the idea that Reich came up with was basically confiscated by the federal government. It was then used to to in the Cold War to basically try to induce disease. So um, thank goodness on one side, because we were able to people that use Rife technology today are able to glean the information that the federal government um spent millions of our taxpayer dollars to uh, create and to understand the different quantum physics frequencies of multiple organisms and multiple diseases. So a person could Google right now, if you want to Google um, rife frequencies, uh, you can download a PDF where it has literally thousands and thousands of frequencies of hundreds and hundreds of diseases um, and these were all frequencies that were discovered through scientific investigation during the Cold War by our federal government. And they even have plans that you can see on the Internet where they wrote up plans where they're going to create this giant rife bulb and they were going to fly over USSR and, you know, turn it on with using the anthrax frequency and everybody's going to get anthrax. Well, I'm sure they tested this on our soldiers if you they sat them down and ran a rife frequency of let's say anthrax again and and told the soldiers that it was just light therapy or something hoping that they were going to produce um anthrax in the person well if you hit a person with a specific frequency for anthrax or strep or cancer you don't produce it you actually kill it if it was in the body. So you would actually help the body kill anthrax if they had it. Well, none of these soldiers had anthrax, so they didn't get better. It just didn't do anything. So it didn't produce the disease, even though they spent millions of dollars mapping out the quantum physics frequencies for all these diseases. Well, it was a failure in Cold War technology because it didn't produce disease. Um, and, and instead of the... And the knowledge of our government, instead of saying, wow, this doesn't produce disease, let's see if it actually kills disease, and then we could actually use it in medicine. Well, wait, no, there's no money in that. The pharmaceutical companies own that piece of property, so we're not going to go that route. Well, that they ended up scrapping the whole rife technology to induce disease and cause disease and to use it against our our uh, 
uh, communist counterparts. And then that all became information that everybody had access to with the Freedom of Information Act. And um, uh, us alternative practitioners who use RIFE can now use those frequencies to help people. And you know, this is where we talk about using RIFE to help kill COVID or kill um, a bacteria or kill a strep infection or to kill cancer. This is how it comes into being. Um, now, there's some misunderstandings about how RIFE works that I do want to clarify because I don't want anybody to ever think that, well, if I just get a RIFE machine, I'm never going to die again. <laughs> you know, I'm never going to get sick again. I don't have to worry about disease. I don't. Um, it just doesn't work that way. So it's not it's not perfect. It's not a magic weapon uh, against all diseases. What it does when you hit a bacteria with its own frequency, you're going to cause it to vibrate. Bacteria and other viruses are single cell organisms. Many times you could call, cause what's called direct lysis because single cell organisms are much less hardy than our cells are. So when, you, when we hit, uh, when we use a frequency, let's say you use a liver frequency and you're running the, a rife bulb on, on a liver frequency, you're going to cause your liver cells to vibrate. You're actually going to help clean the liver. You're going to help um, produce an immune reaction to the liver and a lymphatic drainage of the liver. You're actually going to improve the health of the liver. But if you hit a single cell organism with its own frequency, they're much less stable. You could actually cause instant death of the organism. That's called cell lysis. Matter of fact, you could search YouTube, and there's actually a video using um, a microscope on a paramecium, which is a single cell organism, and hitting it with its own frequency, and the paramecium just explodes. It's kind of fun to watch unless you're a big fan of paramecium. But uh, when you hit your own cells with their own frequency, you do cause them to vibrate, and you will cause an immune reaction to the to the area. Uh, autophagy, what's called autophagy to the area. You're going to help clean the area. It's going to help increase flow of lymph, and it's going to help kill any bacteria or virus that are in that area. And that's the same thing with cancer. It's not a magic wand for cancer. It's not going to just kill cancer directly, but when you hit cancer cells at their own frequency, you stimulate the body to look at it again. You stimulate an immune response to the area. One of the things with cancer that makes it difficult for your immune cells to kill is that cancer is rapidly replicating cells. So these are highly metabolic. Being more highly metabolic, they're going to give off more waste. So as they give off more waste, you have this acidic waste layer that is created around this growing mass and it makes it physically more difficult for T cells and macrophages and natural killer cells to penetrate that waste layer to get at the cancer cells to help kill it. So by hitting it with its own frequency, that vibration is helping your lymphatic system carry that away in the extracellular spaces and help your immune system target it so it is able to elicit a response to target it. So when you use RIFE, for an infection or you use rife for killing cancer you also want to use nutraceuticals that are going to build up that person's immune system you also want to decrease 
um, any toxic load that that person has. So you're just trying to increase the health of the, the person's body, the what's called the cellular milieu around the cancer, clean that up as best you can. That's why diet is important. That's why detoxification is important. That's why stimulating um, the, the immune system through specific nutraceuticals is important. So the more ways that you can hit um, that illness, uh, the better results you're going to have. Wow. Thanks for sharing. Um, I know I've been telling a lot of customers about you and it's funny as I was talking with a customer, just a little conversation and um, I was telling him about you and the story of a customer that I delivered to and her daughter's story. And he says, Oh really? He says, can you give me that information? He says, cause uh, my father-in-law has cancer. And um, I was, as I'm talking to him and, and I'm just like, you know, they say everything happens for a reason and, and God allowed me to discover you and have that conversation with him. And like I was just telling everybody before you came on is, is when you receive this knowledge and information, God is allowing us to discover it. And it's our duty to share it because humanity doesn't need to dis- to suffer because of some evil people. That is a very small percentage that controls a lot of things in our world. I really appreciate you, Kevin, Dr. Kevin's Connor. Absolutely. All right. If you would like to get into Q&A, we can absolutely do that. Yep. So if anyone has a question, the middle button there, if you press the middle button, we'll be able to see your hand raise and, and we can go down in order. And Dolphin, you are up. Your mic is unmuted. Dolphin smile, your mic is unmuted. Okay. Uh, uh, Pleased to meet you, Dr. Connors. Um, I was just wondering um, if you were familiar um, with a couple of treatments that I try to do as much as I can. Um, Some of the Edgar Cayce treatments like the Radac machine uh, and castor oil packs. And if you're not familiar with those, um, what are, I just basically wanted to know what are some of the things that we can do that are the most powerful things. Um, I take zinc, um, and I do the hydrochloroquine juice with it, um, vitamin D, uh, smoothies. I wish I was more consistent with them. I'm working on that, but, um, just maybe some basic things that we could do that are in our cabinet or available to us in some way. Sure. Are you talking about just for general health? For general health and to keep a body healthy as, as we can. I heard you say something about coffee enemas and things such as this. Um, maybe you know, I know detox sure. is probably one of the more important things that we do do um, as a good start, but. 
Okay, so I'm not familiar with the radon machine. Um, send me some information on it. I'd gladly love to look at it. I'm kind of a techno nerd when it comes to therapy machines. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, the uh, casserole packs, we're very familiar. We recommend them a lot for our patients. Uh, castor oil um, is a fairly caustic uh, cleansing oil. If you took a tablespoon of castor oil, you could uh, vomit or you could have to run to the bathroom and have diarrhea. Uh, it can be very cleansing. Uh, so it's not meant to take orally at any uh, any uh, high dose, at least. But um, using it as a pack, so you get use castor oil and you soak a a flannel, a uh, little piece of flannel or muslin or something like that in the castor oil. Rig it out. You put it over the body part. Typically, we recommend castor oil packs over the liver. And then you put uh, uh, the problem with castor oil, though, is it's very viscous oil and it sticks to everything. So you want to put a towel down on your bed, maybe two towels, and you put the castor oil pack over it. You might want to put a piece of plastic wrap over that. Some people take plastic wrap like saran wrap and literally wrap it around their body a couple times to keep it from the castor oil from getting on everything else. And then you put a heat source over the top of that. So putting a heat source over the top of that, like a hot water bottle, we recommend these infrared heating pads that are real nice because you could run those for, they'll stay at the same heat for an hour or so. And you do it for 15 minutes to an hour. This castor oil pack, some people wrap their body with cellophane and leave the castor oil pack on there for a much longer period, maybe even overnight. We don't recommend that quite as often. It gets kind of messy and a little bit uncomfortable, but that castor oil, some of that will absorb it. It will help with the liver detoxification. So like you said, one of the best things that you can do for your body is to reduce toxic load and to help with detoxification pathways. So um, I just wrote a book on what I call the seven phases of detoxification. It's a free download on our website. So I recommend that everybody go and um, download that because it's not a long book, but it just goes through the wrong way to detoxify and the right way to detoxify. So understand what detoxification is. Your body is always detoxifying. So if you're not detoxified, you will be dead soon. So uh, you are always eliminating wastes. So you eliminate waste through your kidneys, through urination, through your bowels, through defecation. And that has to be on a very regular basis. If any of that is backed up, you're going to be reabsorbing poisons and putting that much more pressure on your liver. When you toxify yourself, when you are exposed to toxins to the degree that it overwhelms your liver, meaning that, so if I absorb a toxin through my lungs, so I go and breathe gasoline fumes in when I go pump my gasoline, breathing those fumes in, 
goes right across my alveolar spaces in my lungs, right into my bloodstream. It's circulated through my bloodstream. Now that's a poison. So it has to go through my liver. So every time my blood goes around my body, it's going to go through my liver once. So it's going through my liver and my liver then hopefully pulls it out of my blood. And there are certain phases of detoxification of the liver. Phase one, phase two, and phase three. They're called through our physiology books. So they pulls the poisons out of the blood and it gets them ultimately into the bile that's through phase three and dumps them into the gallbladder and into the small intestine and ultimately into the toilet, hopefully. But if I am, if my liver is loaded, so not only did I just breathe gasoline in, but I just ate a whole bunch of GMO foods and I'm just not taking care of myself, but I just drank a bunch of alcohol. Uh, my liver is like, holy cow, it, I, it, I can't handle anymore. That toxin, whatever it is, circulates around again, circulates around again, and then it gets pushed into the extracellular spaces, into some tissue in the body. The liver could not take it, so it gets pushed to the tissues. And then if it goes into the extracellular spaces, it can cross the cell membrane and get into a cell. So you got cells, we all do, have all sorts of cells that have all sorts of toxins in them. We have spaces between the cell called the extracellular matrix that has toxins there. And these toxins can cause problems. They can interrupt the DNA replication of the in the nucleus, and then that's a cause of cancer. That's what cancer is, is the interruption of the DNA nucleus um, and the replication cycle and the cell goes into rapid replication. Now we have cancer going on caused from this toxin. So the one of the best things you could do to keep yourself healthy is to decrease your toxic load and to support your detoxification pathways. So I wrote a book about supporting your detoxification pathways. And there's a ton of information out there and on our site and other sites about decreasing your toxic load, starting to eat the clean 15, staying away from the dirty dozen unless it's organic and starting to change your, you know, household cleaners. Uh, so you're not using toxic cleaners in your household. Change your lotions that you're using. So you're not using poisons on your skin that you're absorbing in. Remember, you toxify yourself by absorbing things into your bloodstream somehow. It's either through breathing, through swallowing them and, and eating through your food, through something getting on your skin, or through injecting it, you know, in uh, your body like a vaccine. So those toxins have to get out of your body. And the less toxic load you have, the more welcoming, you could say, that your liver will be saying, yeah, yeah, we have space. Come on in here. We'll get rid of you. Yeah, yeah, we have space. Come on in here. We'll get rid of you. The more toxic we are, the liver's like, hey, we are no vacancy side on the liver and it's going to get shunted into your uh, into your tissues. All right. Tina, you're up. Hey, Dr. Connors, thank you so much for being here tonight. We're so sorry that um, <laughs> there were some other things tonight, so not many are on, but um, you're very informative and appreciate. we appreciate that. So I had three quick questions. 
First of all, what is your website so that we can find out more information? Our website is Connors Clinic, C-O-N-N-E-R-S Clinic.com. Okay. And um, also, can anyone get your biweekly newsletter or is that for doctors only? We do know anybody can get our newsletter. So if you sign up for a download of our book, you'll automatically go on our newsletter list. You can also just sign up for the newsletter on our site too. So on our site, connersclinic.com, you're going to see really, it's mainly a cancer site because that's that's the main thing that we take care of right now is cancer. We are creating other sites for non-cancer patients as well. We also have a site specifically for Lyme with all our Lyme and autoimmune and and um, other issues like uh, vaccine um, uh, toxicity issues and stuff and such. Uh, that site is called is www.myhopeforlyme.com. Uh, that's our sister site. Um, and we're going to be creating some other sites. I really like putting out content. So we have lots of videos on all our sites. So we'll have lots of content for people to be able to self-care. If you go on our Connors Clinic site or the My Hope for Lyme site slash books, so Connors Clinic slash books, uh, you'll see all our books downloads. But you can go just on Connors Clinic and you'll see the blogs, the books, the, the um, videos. You'll see all the things that you can get to all the content um, your heart desires, really. That's awesome. Thank you so very much. Miss America, you're up. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Connors, for spending your Saturday evening with us. I much appreciate it. Um, I'm going to try and make some very long questions short. Um, so I grew up in what you kind of would call, I guess, in this genre or this day and age, a hocus pocus world. So I grew up with herbs and natural remedies. Um, so I'm very well aware of, of, you know, the healing powers of just nature itself. Um, no doubt frequencies help. I, I can show that in water tests I've done and, and just in regular life. But when it comes to, and this is getting kind of technical, when it comes to, you know, because every organ, I guess, you know, your chakras run at different frequencies, so to say. So when you're trying to heal it, you would tune in, let's just use, you know, 432 for, for an example. Wouldn't you need to consider the outside frequencies that are influencing it as well? And we know those exist. We do know they exist. So you got EMF frequencies going through you. You got radio frequencies. You got television frequencies. We live in a world of frequencies, your cell phone frequencies. They're going through us constantly, right? And they, one could argue that they're negatively affecting our body, Um a pretty successful argument there. So the instrument that you're going to use for, you know, for healing, let's say a rife instrument, you have to have an instrument that's powerful enough to, to penetrate your body at that frequency without it being too disturbed. Um, 
And so that's when I look at the quality of a rice machine, that's one of the things that you have to look at. If it doesn't have the amount of energy output that it's going to penetrate your body, well, then it's not going to do much good. Um, there's, uh, so that's number one that we look at. And then secondly, what I look at when I investigate the quality of a rife machine, it has to be programmable. So there's rife machines out there that are just running mainly at known human body frequencies. They're not programmable and they can have benefit. They can have benefit just to help stimulate lymph flow. Um, and there's a lot of benefit to that, but you're not going to get specific to kill a bacteria or a virus, or you're not getting specific to kill cancer or anything like that. So, yes. And then the other thing that with a rife machine, it has to be using light frequencies. If you're going to really help the body kill bacteria, you're going to help the body kill cancer for sure. So it has to be using what's called a Tesla bulb, uh, a gas-filled bulb that the frequencies are coming through. I saw a, a table set up on that where there was a bulb on each side and then there was like a kit underneath. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, the one that we use, we use the brand True Rife. That's the brand. It's manufactured in Michigan. So it's made in the United States. Um, they've been around for a dozen years or so. We've used different ones prior to to coming on with True Rife, but uh, True Rife, there's other, there's another one called the GB4000. That's a really good one too. Um, that's programmable. That's powerful enough to penetrate the body, um, but it's not. It's much more cumbersome and it's harder to use for the person. Um, and that's another key point for us. It has to be easy to use, otherwise people just stop using it. But the one we use, the bulb plugs into the front of the machine. The cords are about six feet long. And we typically recommend uh, just this this uh, bulb that's called the hammer bulb. It's a tube. So it's a cylinder encased in plexiglass, and it's meant to sleep with. So you just snuggle with the bulb. It doesn't attach to you. You could set it up on a stand, but that would keep you up at night because it emits a light. Um, and how we how we recommend our cancer patients to use it, we want them to be running it all night long. And we don't want to be disturbing their sleep. So we tell our cancer patients to put the bulb under their covers and kind of snuggle with the bulb. Um, therefore, the light doesn't keep them up and keep them awake. Oh, that sounds like some, uh, I, I didn't see that part, but I have seen like the table set up and just doing sessions with it. Um, not to change the subject, but I'm just trying to get a little bit more of your opinion, I guess. We live in a day and age where sadly we have to deal with, and I hate to say it this way, but it is, it's contaminated blood. Do you think that frequencies can help um, heal that blood as well? Well, if you're talking about contamination from like spike proteins and such, I don't know. We're still experimenting with that. Um, uh, we just, we just don't know, um, the level of contamination and it's very difficult to do any testing on that. Um, I do know that 
again, how God made us is to get rid of toxins um, and it's through the detox pathway. So that's really why I wrote this book, this my latest book, uh, uh, The Seven Phases of Detox, was just because seeing this come down the pike. Um, we have to support detoxification above all else. So when we have a patient that comes to us and they either A, got the vaccine, or B, they're exposed to people with the vaccine all the time, um, we are, you know, even, you know, more emphatic in trying to support their detoxification pathways. Um, there's other things that you need to do from a, that are wise to do in that case scenario too, because of the the blood clotting factors when you're exposed to the vaccine or you're exposed to people who are vaccinated um, there's other specific nutraceuticals that you should consider, um, like um, uh, lumbrokinase and natokinase. Those are two enzymes that can help break down blood clots and help uh, break down clotting factors. Uh, those are two things that a person should consider in their in this day and age, being exposed to all the negative issues that go along with the vaccine and M-spike protein is just one of them. Um, and then if you're, if you're vaccinated, you have other things that you have to deal with too. So um, working on your detoxification pathways are going to be critical. Will the right help with that? Yes. Running just um, frequencies that are going to be helpful for the liver. Yes. But it's not, that's not the only tool. There's other things you should be doing too. Completely understand. I was more thinking about our blood supply. Am I correct in saying blood can only be held for 40 days? Is that correct? Um, that's about my pay grade. I don't know what that is. Well, you mean just... the blood supply and like the, and, um, in our nation's blood supply? Correct. Correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's pretty scary. It's like you go into the hospital, you get a car accident now and you go in the hospital. It's like uh, you don't know what you're going to be receiving. It's very scary. Anyway, thank you so much for answering my questions and I will let someone else ask a question. Have a great evening. And again, thank you for spending your Saturday night with us. Absolutely. All right, Angela, you're up next. Or Angelina. Uh, just have a... I just recently heard a seminar that talked about the blood clots um, caused by the vaccines, and they were suggesting, I'm happy to hear you talk about the lumbar kinase and the other kinase, because that's what they were recommending. But I, I drive for a living, so I worry about blood clots, and I am overweight. But I, I was wondering how do you figure out how much to take, because I know they're kind of, if you can get more into that, treating the blood clots with that, I, I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. So the, we, for those, both those products, the natokinase and the lumbrokinase, with any supplements, you just, you know, you have to be careful because there's a lot of supplement companies out there that really don't care about purity. Um, there's a study done, an independent study done, this is probably five years ago now, that they went into Walmart, uh, GNC, Target, they went into five places and 
got um, ashwagandha. They got like five or six different specific supplements and they tested them. Uh, I think the the highest one had 10% of what they listed on the label. Um, these are just over-the-counter supplements. Personally, I wouldn't take nanokinase or lumbrokinase that, was, that you could get at GNC or Walmart or anything like that. We waited. There's one um, one company that I trust most for enzymes. It's a company called US Enzymes. They actually make enzymes for other companies and and uh, like now brand supplements. The now brand supplement enzymes are actually US enzymes. But we sell the US enzymes lumbrokinase. That's uh, called lumbrozyme. And we sell their nanokinase. It's called nanozyme. Um, and really taking one in the morning, one at night of each of those would suffice for just about everybody. So unless you're having bad chest pain or you're having, and you you know you have um, clotting issues now, then you could double or triple that dose for a short period of time. But uh, but typically just one of each of those in the morning, one of each of those at night are your best bet. I, I just I would just use honestly if you don't you don't have to get them from us or anything but get the US enzyme brand of those they are that company is just completely anal in purity they test every product multiple times and their products you, are something you could really trust um you can go on our site is about trying to push this but you can go on our website and go up to the right hand corner hit store and you go to our store, um, and you'll see those products. Natozyme and Lumbrozyme are the name of those two. Otherwise, if you have, if you go to a chiropractor or go to a naturopath that sells U.S. enzymes, ask them to get those in. Those are the best products. I'm so glad I asked the question because I used to work for a holistic doctor, and there's no way I would buy and brands and i was wondering what what to buy i've been starting to look into it like what to get so just one in the morning and one at night and that's enough because i would yeah. i take coke 10 with it and anything else with it well there's other things that a person should probably be taking too um but it just depends on everything else that's going on if you if you want to go on our site and you fill out one of the you'll have this little inquiry box pop up if you go on our site if you fill that out um if you want to have a chat with one of my nutritionists you can and they can walk you and help you put together like a little protocol so just fill that out and say you're on you heard me on the shelf and that's awesome there's no charge for that. We'll help you put together a protocol. Thank you so much. Yes, you're very welcome. Does anybody else have a question? If you press the middle button and raise your hand, we can call on you. Um, Joby, did you have a question? Angie, did you have a question? Uh, 
I Any? have another question if anyone doesn't. Go ahead, Tina. Looks like okay. um, since I haven't read your books yet, I was just wondering if any of them touched on um, how some people say the pH balance of our body helps to keep cancer away, like by drinking lemon juice or baking soda. Would you touch on that just a little bit? Sure. Well, if I touch on that, I got to probably step on people's feet. Are you okay with that? Yes, totally. <laughs> okay. So the idea came out a number of years ago that pH balance is very important in keeping cancer away. And if you and that cancer doesn't grow in an alkaline environment, cancer grows in an acidic environment. And there's some truth to that statement, but only some truth. So let's break that apart a little bit with some physiology here. So your body has what's called a buffering system. Buffering system helps keep your pH at a normal level. So and the buffering system buffers your blood and it buffers your tissues. Though the tissues can become more too alkaline or too acidic. So remember, pH is a scale of 0 to 14. The higher the pH, the more alkaline it is. The lower the pH, the more acidic it is. Either side of that scale is very toxic. So everybody thinks, oh, I don't want to be too acidic. Well, you don't want to be too alkaline either. That's just as toxic. So your blood will stay buffered at a pH of 7.3 three, four, five, and it won't vary, but more than about a tenth uh, on that pH scale or you'll die. So you, this is where you pull calcium and minerals out of the bones and put calcium back into the bones constantly. Your bones are living tissue. And you have this, this tug of war between what's called osteoclastic and osteoblastic activity building bone up and pulling calcium out to help buffer the, the blood. Also, the creation of hydrochloric acid in your stomach is also a buffering system because that helps buffer your blood. It, it's when you create hydrochloric acid, you actually create more alkaline uh, components as well that helps buffer the blood. So your stomach is the only place in your body that's really highly acidic. So your stomach has to keep a pH of about 2 to 4 to stay very acidic. And the purpose of that is, is that the acidity, hydrochloric acid in this case, in your stomach helps break down proteins and mainly carbohydrates. So carbohydrates get broken down. Food gets broken down as you chew. Your salivary glands secrete uh, an enzyme called ptalin, helps break down carbohydrates more so you swallow your food the carbohydrates get broken down even more so by the acid in your stomach and then it goes secretes into the small intestines pancreatic enzymes are secreted into the small intestines into the duodenum there to help break down the protein the fats and the carbohydrates and then bile is secreted by your gallbladder and that helps break down fats even more so. So 
your stomach has to maintain that that low pH, that high acid level. And uh, and so the argument is that, well, cancer can't grow in an alkaline, in an acidic environment, so I need to alkalize myself. So how should I alkalize myself? Well, let's take a step back first. So cancer doesn't grow because of the acidic environment. So cancer, what is cancer? Cancer is a cell that something got inside that cell and affected the DNA in the nucleus to cause an increased rate of replication. It really has nothing to do with the milieu the cell is in because it's more acidic or it's more alkaline. It's the milieu is more toxic maybe or has viruses or bacteria that entered that cell because it could be a virus, it could be a bacteria, it could be a toxin that entered that cell. It affected the nucleus of the cell to cause a rapid rate of replication. It has nothing to do with the pH around the cell that caused the rapid rate of replication because the rate of replication is completely 100% governed by the cell nucleus inside the cell. So something got inside the cell, affected the nucleus, is causing a rapid rate of replication, and the cell is replicating much faster than it's supposed to replicate. That's what cancer is. Now, when a, when a cell goes into that rapid rate of replication, anytime any metabolic activity goes on in the cell, it spits out waste. So a normal cell spits out, let's say, two ounces of waste a day. I'm just throwing these numbers out. It's not two ounces. But now a cell that's in rapid rate of replication is spewing out 30 ounces of waste a day. This waste is acidic. So one could say the cancer is growing in this acidic environment. Well, it's not the acidic. The cancer is causing an acidic environment. Well, if I could get the environment more alkaline, would I be able to help kill the cancer? It's not whether you should get the area more alkaline or not. It's that why is the area acidic? It's because you're causing this acidic slime layer around the cancer. So that's where the rife comes in. If you hit it with its own frequency, you're going to help disperse that acidic slime layer simply by the physical act of the cell mass vibrating. Um, But yes, if you could clean up that area, if you could help with lymphatic detoxification of the extracellular matrix, it would definitely help. But this idea got in the mind of somebody because if you cause cell replication in a test tube, you could actually test and wow, that you test this acidic slime layer around this growing cancer. So if we alkalize it, could we kill the cancer? And the idea is not that we need to alkalize it, it's that we need to clean up that milieu. But then the idea that got stuck in somebody's mind and they wrote a book about it and that got going in the alternative spectrum, but it really doesn't make any sense physiologically because their treatment is even more obscure because the treatment is then to take baking soda or to drink baking soda or to drink alkaline water. Okay, so when you really understand physiology that the stomach has to maintain a pH of about 2.5 and you are drinking drinking alkaline water or drinking baking soda, you are doing nothing but alkalizing the stomach. 
So you are creating an environment in the stomach which makes it much more difficult to digest food. So now food is going into the small intestine less digested, partially digested, maybe some very little digestion going on because this person has very little HCL in the stomach because you're neutralizing it by drinking baking soda. So that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Besides the fact, if you drank baking soda and it and it remains baking soda as it enters into the small intestine, and you understand, you don't absorb baking soda in the small intestine. You don't absorb nutrients like that as a whole. You absorb them as your body breaks them down. So it would be neutralized by the stomach acid and it wouldn't be baking soda anymore. Anyhow, physiologically, you're not going to be alkalizing any other tissue, but maybe the stomach and the small intestine, that's all you're going to be alkalizing. So the treatment of using baking soda to help kill cancer, maybe it would help get rid of the acidic slime layer if the person had stomach cancer. Maybe you could make an argument there. Dr. Simonucci in Italy went to jail because he injected baking soda solution into women's breasts right at the cancer. But I could argue that, well, I guess that would help alkalize around the cancer. That would make more sense. Um, but drinking baking soda water, drinking alkaline water doesn't alkalize the tissue. And I need to step on more people's feet. Apologize for making enemies. But testing your urine pH and testing your sal salivary pH does not have any physiological equation to tissue pH. So if I take a whole bunch of minerals and I just eat better and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of myself better and I'm going to be having a more balanced diet and having better electrolytes, I'm going to urinate those out as well. And my urinary pH is going to go up. I get people contacting me. I'm so concerned. I've been doing all this alkalinity and my, my urine pH is still 5.5. I can't get it to budge. Honestly, that is not a measurement of your health. Your urinary pH does not measure your health, nor does your saliva pH. All it measures is your saliva pH and your urine pH. And it has nothing to do with the pH of your tissue. And it certainly has zero to do with the pH of the milieu around the cancer. So um, I know there's courses written on this. And the, the truth is, is that if you do some of the other things to help alkalize your body, quote unquote, that are you that are used in that terminology, like I gotta eat more greens, I gotta eat more vegetables, I gotta stop eating so much meat, you will help increase the health of your body, but it really doesn't have honestly a whole lot to do with alkalizing your body. You want to use that terminology, I don't care. It's just not correct physiology. So um you do things like juicing and, and eating less animal proteins and and cleaning up your diet and uh, because it's healthy for your body and you're helping your detox pathways and you're supporting gut nutrition and you're supporting your microbiota, it's not really helping alkalize your tissue. Um, in one sense, I guess you could say yes. You are because you are supporting your liver and your liver is so important and 
in how your 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 stomach makes hydrochloric acid, but um, you're not going to alkalize the cancer by doing those things. Wow! Thank you so much for clarifying that. Appreciate it. If anybody else has a question for Dr. Kevin Connors, if you press the middle button, it'll show us your hands raised and we can call on you. All right, Scuba, you are up. Uh, I caught most of that last segment you were talking about. So drinking alkaline water is that really useless or does that matter? Um, yeah, I would say that it's, uh, you know, people will argue, hey, when I got my water alkalinity thing, I have just felt so much better. And I'd argue maybe it's because you're just drinking a lot more water. I don't know. But if you are you drinking um Alkaline, yes. If you're drinking alkaline water, is that helping alkalize your system? No, it's helping alkalize your stomach, and it can actually cause more issues. Um, but the truth is, you, you're typically drinking alkaline water at a pH of like 8.5 or something like that, highest or something. So it's not really horribly alkalizing your stomach acid, unless um, unless you're just drinking too much of it, which that's a whole other phenomenon. You could drink too much water too, and then you'll flush out your electrolytes and now you'll be sicker. So uh, personally, if if you have a water alkalizer, uh, I wouldn't drink alkaline water with a meal because you need, that's what you need, most need your hydrochloric acid in your stomach. Um, I, I don't think there's a horrible harm to it, drinking it away from meals. Um, but I certainly wouldn't run out and buy a water alkalizer. So. Okay. Um, the water that I've been drinking for years comes from a spring um, in the Adirondacks of New York. There's many springs up there, natural springs. And it's got no chemicals in it as far as chlorine and things like that. And, uh, a student from Paul Smith's college actually tested the water and said it was nearly perfect. So my grandmother's 95 years old and she's been drinking that her whole life. So I'm guessing there's got to be something good about that. Yeah, I would say so too. We drink, we have a well and we just drink well water. We don't use any purification. We've had it tested. It doesn't have any chemicals in it or anything like that. So we just drink our well water. Um, uh, I would agree. I think you're you're just drinking good, pure, clean water is the way to go. If you live in the city, you really need, you absolutely have to get a filtration, just a carbon filter at least, to get rid of the chlorine and the fluoride in your water. That's very toxic to us. Does that help with your question, Scuba? Yeah, I think that clarifies things because um, I I have heard before that drinking pH water was just kind of nonsense and it's a it's a gimmick to for bottle companies to sell expensive water. But thanks for answering my question. Yeah, I would agree with you. 
And uh, I try to share Dr. Connor's page on Telegram, and we have this bot to where we're eliminated spammers, and it won't even let me post it on the channel. So it's Connor's Clinic on Telegram. I highly suggest everyone to join that Telegram page. Um, Dr. Connors, he gives out remedies that is affordable to where you can heal yourself from many different things. And he has protocols for vaccine detox. So I just wanted to share that. And Miss America, you are up again. Thank you, sir. Um, since we were talking about water, because I've done a ton of experiments on this. So I am one of the city people that the water is highly contaminated and I have to do reverse osmosis on it because it's just way over chlorinated when at least when it comes to drinking. But then I take that water and I put it into a blue bottle, um, which is absorbs the energy from the sun. And I've done tests on this to see how it freezes. So I'm just kind of looking for your input on that and what if you've heard about it or what you think about it, because it's it's adding natural sunlight frequencies in my mind and just, you know, absorbing goodness and adding intention to it. So please, I'd love your opinion. Well, I would agree with you on on several points there, because, um, yeah, so when we lived in the city, we used reverse osmosis. Um, and some people will say, you shouldn't do reverse osmosis because it takes everything out. Now you have dead water. Um, well, first of all, you're, I'm not drinking water for the minerals. You don't, you don't drink water for the minerals that are in the water because they are, they are basically ground-based minerals. We don't eat dirt. We eat plants that eat dirt. Plants take ground-based minerals elemental minerals and they convert it to um, a chelated form with a double bond glycine and then we eat those minerals in a plant so but yeah well you can argue that you're taking everything out of the water maybe you're taking some good things that we don't even understand yet maybe that's right so using doing what you're doing i think is a great idea you know there is energy in the sun you can read a book. There's a Japanese author, the, I forgot what the name of it is, about water. And he actually just took water uh, and he put labels on different bottles. And he put like evil on one. He put love on another. And then you can look at it microscopically and it looks different under the microscope. How is that? Because you're putting energy into that intent, into that um, into that water itself, which that's really hocus pocus voodoo stuff, right? No, it's it's how it's it's simply energy that's vibrating at a specific frequency, and the sun is energy and it's healing energy. So you put it in a bottle, you are actually putting intent into that water and loving it before you put it into your body. There's great things about that. This is one of the things that we have to deal with with our cancer patients. You know, you hear the term, oh, I have cancer. Oh my gosh, you have, you know, the uh, 30% five-year survival rate of your cancer. If we do everything, we need to hurry you into the uh, operating room and put, um, you know, uh, uh, get chemotherapy and do surgery and all this kind of stuff. And people are scared stiffless. Um, and they already have wrong intent of what's going on with their body instead of taking a step back, and this is what we need 
constantly talk to our cancer patients about taking a step back and go, okay, this cancer isn't something to be hated. Um, this is your body. This is your own cell that's ro- gone rogue and is growing and going crazy. You need to be praying over that with the right intent and loving yourself and not hating your situation. Um, nowhere in the Bible does it say we're supposed to hate our situation. You look at the you know the New Testament of Paul sitting in a jail cell in Rome with probably rats gnawing at his feet at night, and yet he never wrote in his epistles about how much he hated the Romans or hated the situation. Um, yes, there were evil men running the country, and there were evil men going to lop off his head anytime soon, and yet he wrote the epistles from there. He wrote from love, and he had right intent. And this is a lesson that we all need to take. We're living in an evil world run by evil men, and um, there's a lot of bad things happening, And but we have to be careful and guard our heart um, from from being so angry and bitter and, and um and having that root of bitterness enter our heart. Now we're way off topic of your question with water, but that's the same thing with our food and such. Yes, we should be eating right and trying to do the right thing and eat good food, but we don't want to be obsessed with it. We want to bless our food and we want to um, give it the right intent and the energy that of the food and the water that we drink so that, when it's when it's entering us, it's it's healing us, and having that right intent. That's the whole one of the ideas about praying over our food and praying over our meals and praying over our house, is that um, we are blessing it and and really checking our attitude about it before it enters our body, and we're asking God to cleanse it, cleanse, use it to to heal us and to make us stronger. So our, I think our attitude is huge. Well, you're, you're, you brought it full circle because I guess my point was, is that, you know, at the end of the day, it's our words that we speak that also bring intention. And the gentleman, again, I forgot his name. I've, I've looked at his research, but even just speaking certain words will cause intent and that will change the energy of everything. So thank you for your input there. Yeah, it's it's so, it's so powerful. We forget that our words, we hear our words. So we're basically speaking to ourselves. So that that um is that intent is so important on what we what we put our focus on and what we are blessing and asking God to bless um could bring health or bring disease. If anyone has a question for Dr. Kevin Connors, if you press the middle button, we can see your hand raised and we can call on you. If anyone has a question, please press the middle button. All right, Admiral, you're up. And Scuba, you're after Admiral. 
Hey, I just wanted to ask one more question. Um, one, one you said second. drink scuba. Uh, What's Ad- that? Admiral Mersoniak, you are up. And then oh, scuba. sorry, you're right after Admiral. No, that's all right. Admiral, if if you press the middle button, it unmutes your microphone, and you can ask your question. So there's a chance you'll hear me this time. Cool. Um, my question is, uh, your Rife generator, is it a fixed frequency or is it variable? So the Rife uses, the true Rife uses two frequencies. It uses a background frequency that helps push the frequency that you're running. And then you can, and then you can um, program specific frequencies in it. So typically, you don't run a frequency for more than about three minutes, any any given frequency for about three minutes. Um, and then you and you move on to the next frequency. So when we write like an overnight program for patients with cancer, you're writing a, hundreds of different frequencies um, because there isn't just one frequency for prostate cancer. So um, there's many known frequencies for prostate cancer. And we test our patients specifically on what frequencies are going to be best for them too. So there's a lot of frequencies that we put in a person's program. Thank you. All right, Scuba. Uh, Okay, my question you said about drinking too much water, flushing minerals out of the system. I've heard of that before. Um, what would you consider too much water to be drinking on a daily basis for someone? And I'm sure it depends on body weight. Well, it's it's been said in a lot of different books that you should drink your half your body weight in ounces of water. So if you weighed 150 pounds, you're drinking a, you're drinking 75 ounces of water a day. Honestly, in practice, um, I think that's probably way too much for most people. Um, it's different. So it, it, that you, the amount of water that a person should drink depends on different things. It depends on their situation. If you're working in the sun, then yes, you should, probably should be drinking half your body weight in ounces of water. If it's winter and you're sitting inside on a computer doing your work, if you're drinking half your body weight in water, uh, in ounces of water, you're probably drinking too much water um, and you could flush out your electrolytes and then you could actually be dehydrated. So drinking too much water will flush out your electrolytes. Your electrolytes are what holds water in the cells. And if you flush out your electrolytes, you literally become dehydrated. So all the water is just going right through you it could lead to death. Um, there was a radio program, I think, in Pittsburgh or something years ago, where they had the, they thought it would be, oh, it'd be, this would be a nice, clean fund. We're going to give a car away to a person who can drink the most water in a, I don't know, six-hour period or whatever they did. Well, this one person drank like X amount of gallons of water in this period. They literally went to the cardiac arrest and died. So 
um, because it didn't have any electrolytes. If your potassium drops down and your your minerals drop down, you'll go into hallucination and you'll start garbling your words and speaking nonsense. So um, how much water should a person drink? It is different for everybody, and it's not solely based on water weight. It depends on, on body weight. It depends on that person um, and their metabolism and how much work physical work they're doing so how much the water their their cells are calling for um some uh authors talk about some natural authors talk about drink when you're thirsty um i think that might be going a little bit too far the other way we should be drinking anyhow even when we're not thirsty but uh typically it's it's going to be about in, in my mind, different people will argue with me here, but typically it's about 25% of your body weight in ounces of water is probably more appropriate. Thank you so much. That's really good information. I appreciate it. Yes. You know, it's funny when you talked about that radio show is, I was watching, um, I forgot what the documentary on, but it was a frat fraternity and the initiation, they had to drink these gallons of water. It was another water thing. And the college student actually drowned inside his body and died. Yeah. So too much, too much of a good thing is a bad thing. You could say. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Is if there's any more questions, if you press the middle button, we can see your hand raised. If there's a question, if you guys have a health question, if you have a relative that is suffering from cancer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I really stress that you take advantage of seeking whatever knowledge you can while we have Dr. Kevin Connors on now. Or you can visit his website at connorsclinic.com, which I just shared with Dolphin Smile on the group. And he has Connor Clinic, Connors Clinic on Telegram. If anyone doesn't have a question, we won't hold the doctor too much longer. But Clover we... has a question in that community. All right. There you go. Go ahead, Cl- Clover, and then community, you're next. Hello, Dr. Connors, and hello, everyone. Uh, I was wondering if if you have any input on what your thoughts are on intermittent fasting and dry fasting. So we are huge fans of intermittent fasting and what can be called time-restricted eating. And if you do get to our website, look up our blog posts on that. We have several blog posts on that. So fasting is one of the best ways to help your body heal. So if you do not have cancer, you can do longer than 24-hour fasts. Now, you do, you should have somebody help you with that if this is the first time you've fasted. So if you've never fasted before and you're not in good health, you should not just go on a big, you know, three-day, 10-day fast or something like that. Well, we... I, sh- I kind of fast Monday through Friday, and I dry fast where I don't eat or drink. 
Okay. So it, but you have been doing it. So if somebody has not been doing that, I would say you, you have to work up to that. So don't, uh, I'm not a fan of somebody like being unhealthy, overweight. I'm just, I read this about fasting. So I'm going to go on this five day fast and they have such strong willpower. They can power through it. Well, their blood sugar could crash and they could be in worse health after doing this or in the middle of doing this, they could have something go wrong. So I think it's safer to start with intermittent fasting or time-restricted eating than work up to a longer fast. If a person has cancer, then we don't recommend more than a 24-hour fast because uh, we do not want to raise what is called IGF-1 levels. And if you do more than a 24-hour fast, you do raise IGF-1 levels, which is actually really good for a non-cancer patient. But for a cancer patient, it's part of the growth hormone um, piece that you don't want to increase when you have cancer. But it's very healing if you don't have cancer. So doing a longer fast, um, longer than 24 hours, again, working up to being able to do that. So maybe starting with intermittent fasting where time-restricted eating, where you're not going to eat anything till 4 o'clock and you're going to do that you know, every, you know, two days a week. And then you're going to work up to, okay, I'm going to do a 24-hour fast. Then you work up to, okay, next week, I'm going to try to fast Monday and Tuesday. This fasting is one of the most healing things because you think of it, you're not toxifying yourself. Of course, you're assuming that you're not putting on a whole bunch of garbage lotion and you're not, you know, you're not using cleaning products here you still are absorbing poisons from the environment, but you're decreasing your toxic load. You're supporting detoxification pathways and and you kick into autophagy um, the longer you fast. So you really start cleaning your body. So fasting can be very healing for the body. Just start slower and work up. Um, For our cancer patients, we don't have them do more than 24 hours. Like I said, and we really encourage them to do um, time-restricted eating on a fairly regular basis if they could do it several times a week. Or even we have some cancer patients that are doing it every day. They just don't eat till 4 o'clock. Um, and then they have an eating window from 4 to 8. So they're really fasting 20 hours a day. So um, that could be very healing if you're if you could stay um if you could do it. I mean, it's hard with different people's lifestyle, but it's very healing. Thank you. All right. Community for Unity, Louisiana, and then OK for Now is after community. Sorry, I thought I was going to be the last one. Um, I don't really have a question. I just wanted to tell Dr. Connors I really enjoyed this and I learned so much. Once again, thanks. Oh, you bet. You bet. I'll do this. I'll do this as often as people need. So we just, our goal really, our clinic, we try to be as much of a ministry as possible. Um, I like producing content. I just feel like it's my responsibility to, if God gives me knowledge about something, to try to make it in a teachable format for most people and try to put it out there to help people because. That's just, I think, what we're supposed to be doing. So, All right. It looks like OK for Now has jumped off. Um, 
Last call, last call. I'm not going to hold the doctor too much longer. Um, if anyone has a question, please press the button. Die, don't be scared. Our health is very important. So if anyone has a question, oh, Scuba, <laughs> go ahead. I don't really have a question, but I just want to add, after I just listened about the fasting, um, I also do some fasting as well, and I have for quite some time. And I change it up. Um, sometimes I'll have uh, a good-sized meal in the early afternoon, or other times I'll have my meal around like 2, 33 o'clock, and I'll have just one meal for the whole day and maybe a piece of fruit in the morning or something like that at night, um, and then just water, uh, a little bit of coffee. But I feel like it's allowed my body to have time to flush out things and for my organs to rest. And I just, for the last few months that I've been doing that, and it's not every day that I eat only one meal, but, you know, two, three times a week, um, I feel like I have a lot more energy and I've lost about 15 pounds or so in the last 45 days, 50 days, I'm guessing, uh, since uh, I think it was around... Uh, thanksgiving time so i have seen benefits from fasting and i i do agree it depends on the person's health conditions on on how you're going to do it and uh yeah that's all i had to say i have a quick question um is it healthy to do a fast without drinking water what would be the reasoning for that well it can be it's just another way to fast so that's called a dry fast where you're not drinking or eating anything. Um, again, that's something that you need to work into, um, but it can be uh, healthy. It's just another way to just try to flush out most of your tissues. You de do need water, and but we are carrying a lot of extra water weight too. So that's a way to help draw that out and flush out the tissues. Thank you. I've never heard of that before. Thank you. All right, Dr. Kevin Connors, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Definitely would love to have you on again because our health is important. It's better than watching politicians on TV bickering back and forth. It's more important than the distractions that's going on in our world. God is ultimately important, but our health and natural energies, well, frequencies and, and herbs that God has put on this planet is very important for us to start getting into the knowledge of those. And, and I really appreciate you so much. Well, thank you, Mike. Thanks for all you do. I know everybody um, loves this channel and um, just appreciates the sense of community and being able to be grounded with um, like-minded people. So thank you again. You're welcome. And thank you for coming on. And uh, we'll look at our schedule in the summertime and, and hopefully we can bring you back on. That sounds great. Thank you, doctor. Bye-bye. Thank you. You bet.